where we are on a journey together to awaken to our true identity. I'm your host, Kevin Mack, and in today's episode, we're going to identify one of the most formidable obstructions to the attainment of a holy relationship. In the previous episode, we described the type of love that Jesus spoke about in the Great Commandment as a love of deep desire. And we stated that the God-ordained intimate sexual relationship, traditionally, but not exclusively, between male and female, is a reflection of that deep desire. We call this type of relationship a holy relationship, since it reflects the holiness of God in whose image and likeness we have been created. The holy relationship, then, pictures the intimate spiritual unity shared by God the Father and Christ his Son. As Jesus said, speaking as Christ, in John chapter 10 and verse 30, I and the Father are one. This is God's intention for humanity now, as it was in the beginning, when it was stated in Genesis 2.24 that that is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. The two, husband and wife, were created to enjoy what is really a mystical attraction toward one another sexually, so that through intercourse they're able to experience the reality of their God-created oneness. Yet, the intimate sexual relationships in our world today rarely exhibit the deep, loving desire and spiritual oneness they were created to reflect. Why? In a word, defenses. Because of the defenses each one of us has learned to erect during our lives, we actually hinder such love from occurring. In fact, to the contrary, it is these very defenses that cause so much pain and anguish in our experience of intimate relationships. Is there a way to do away with these defenses and experience the joy and ecstasy God intended for our intimate relationships? Yes, there is. But before we can do away with them, we must first identify some of the more common defenses. A problem, my friends, can only be solved if it is first identified. Yet what makes problem identification difficult for us is the fact that we have used these defenses repeatedly, oftentimes for many years over the course of our lives. So most of us, as a result, go about our daily lives totally unaware of them. They become subconscious habits of mind. Thus, we never give them a second thought. We take them for granted. So now it's time to bring these subconscious defenses of ours into our awareness. To do this, we'll once again return to the Garden of Eden, immediately after the eating of the forbidden fruit. So let's go now to Genesis chapter 3 and verse 7, where we read, 
Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Prior to this point, the man and the woman perceived themselves as one. That's what Adam meant when he saw the woman and exclaimed, This is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh, back in Genesis 2. He recognized her as part of himself. They are united in spirit in this state. That is their God-created state of being, their state of completion, wholeness, holy, sinless perfection. However, after eating the forbidden fruit, the eyes of both of them were opened, meaning that they either perceive something in addition to or different from their completed state of being. Yet, if they were already complete, how can they become more complete? How can they become more perfect if they are already perfect? If they are flawless to start with, how can they become more flawless? None of those conditions make sense and really do not apply, therefore, to this case. So what they now perceive is not something in addition to. What they now perceive is something different than their created state of being. What is the difference they now perceive? It says in verse 7 of Genesis 3, they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. The first point this statement makes is they no longer see one another as a unified whole, parts of each other. They perceive each other as separate beings. What they each now perceive in the other is really a foreign body. And because what they perceive is unfamiliar to them, they hide themselves from each other, much like a toddler who, when they come upon a stranger, will hide behind their parents or caretaker. Or perhaps like the common feeling of discomfort that we, we feel when confronted with an altogether new and unfamiliar situation. There's a tendency in those cases to be guarded. And that is what's happening in this case with Adam and Eve. Another question we may ask here is what do you think the coverings they made for themselves were covering? <laughs> well, let's put this another way. If you're naked, or if I'm naked, and someone inadvertently walks in on us, what is the first thing we hide? The parts of our bodies that unite during intercourse. Our sexual organs. That is undoubtedly what the man and the woman did and hid from each other. They hid the most intimate parts of themselves that symbolize the two of them becoming one. All right, so what do we know so far? God created the man and woman united together as one, a completed entity 
holy and perfect. Each of them recognizes the other as part of that same unified whole. This is what we learned in Genesis 2. Yet upon eating the forbidden fruit, the man and the woman perceive one another as separate independent beings, really as strangers. And because they view each other as strangers, they hide the most intimate parts of themselves from one another. And those are the very parts of themselves that symbolize their God-created state of being, their oneness, their completeness, their perfection. So it's at this point where we can now identify, finally, this most common defense. It is indeed the defense of all of our defenses. For it is, in effect, the foundation upon which all our other defenses are built. Let's turn now to A Course in Miracles for further elaboration so we can state this point clearly. It says there in the text, section, chapter 3, section 3, paragraph 7 and verse 7. Very short verse. It says, there are no strangers in God's creation. Yet the man and the woman now perceive themselves as strangers after eating the forbidden fruit. Thus, the man and the woman, in their minds, have left the creation of God and made for themselves a substitute creation where each other is perceived as both different and separate. And because they now perceive each other as separate, what they have done is to make independent lives for themselves. They have substituted two independent selves for the one true self created in the image and likeness of God. My friends, this is the first and most formidable of our defenses, this substitute creation. It is this substitute creation that the New Testament refers to as the world. This substitute world did not alter God's eternal and unchangeable creation at all. His creation still exists now, holy, complete, and perfect, even though we cannot see it and therefore do not generally experience it. So there appears to be, now, from our new perspective, as a result of eating the forbidden fruit, two worlds, God's world and our world. A Course in Miracles makes a clear distinction between these two worlds. They are referred to there as the world of knowledge, which is God's creation, and the world of perception, which is our world. Notice what is written about the world of knowledge. 
we're going to go to the preface of the course, paragraph 2, and read verses 3 through 6. It says there, Knowledge is truth under one law, the law of love or God. Truth is unalterable, eternal, and unambiguous. It can be unrecognized, but it cannot be changed. It applies to everything that God created, and only what he created is real. The world of knowledge here is the world we attempted to leave behind when humanity ate the forbidden fruit. But we cannot leave it behind, because it alone is real and unalterable. As for the substitute world that we made, the Course continues to describe that, this time in the preface, paragraph 3, in verses 1 through 4. It says there, the world of perception, on the other hand, is a world of time, of change, of beginnings and endings. It is based on interpretation, not on facts. It is the world of birth and death founded on the belief in scarcity, loss, separation, and death. It is learned rather than given, selective in its perceptual emphases, unstable in its functioning, and inaccurate in its interpretations. Now let's slowly break down what's been said here because there's a lot here to digest. This world of perception is the world that is familiar to us. It's a world governed by time and change, beginnings and endings. We've observed this not only throughout human history, but also in the course of our own lifetimes. The next part of the description, though, is a bit challenging for us, to say the least. It says there it is based on interpretation, not on facts. Facts, as A Course in Miracles describes them, are unambiguous and unchangeable. Whereas we live in a world where the quote-unquote facts are changing all the time. A perfect example of such a change is in video conferencing. Back in the 1960s, when video conferencing was often displayed in the TV series Star Trek, it was considered science fiction. Today, thanks to Zoom and other video conferencing technologies, it is now a commonplace fact. So what was fiction 50 years ago is a fact today. Another example has to do with the eating of eggs. Back in the 1980s, people were warned not to eat too many eggs because they were high in cholesterol, and cholesterol was thought to be the problems of uh, arteriosclerosis in uh, clogged arteries. But later, that was shown not to be true because the science had changed. New facts became available. The same is true of butter. Back when the dietary industry declared their war on fat, butter became enemy number one. 
At the time, the consumption of fatty foods like butter will link, will link to higher cholesterol and greater risk of heart disease. But the science on the so-called perils of fat has now changed. So in our world of perception, quote-unquote, facts change. And they change due to learning. Which brings out another point made by A Course in Miracles, that the world of perception is learned rather than given. This is an important point because, we, as we have seen, learning is changeable and takes place over time. And due to these characteristics, learning has the tendency to be distributed unequally. Separate people learn at different rates and are exposed to different learning opportunities at different times and under different circumstances. Today, social scientists have come to understand that the standard of living is generally proportional to the level of education. Learning, that is. So in the world of perception, inequality is for all practical purposes built into the system. Whereas in the world of knowledge, what is given, what is a gift, is given equally because God is not a respecter of persons, as it says in Acts 10, verse 34. He treats us all the same. And besides, where unity abides in God's creation, inequality is impossible. Yet because inequality is a dominant characteristic in our world, there is a tendency toward perceptual selectivity, perceiving some areas of endeavor or of life as more important than others. And by being selective in our perceptual emphasis, that leaves us open to neglect in other areas of life that we deem less important. Such neglect ultimately results in unbalanced living and the inherent instability that comes with that. Since our world really is the only world we experience on a daily basis, we know that all these problems I just mentioned exist. We're familiar with time and change, birth and death, beginnings and endings of various sorts. We see how advances in science, medicine, and technology have changed certain quote-unquote facts in life. What was true 50 years ago is not true today. This phenomenon alone teaches us that what we believe is a quote-unquote fact at one point in time is not a quote-unquote fact at another point in time. So they really are not facts. They are changeable. And because they are changeable, they are interpretations at a given point in time. Our world is based on interpretation, not on facts, then. That is what the Course means by that. We see the problems associated with income or educational inequality 
and the instability that ensues as a result. We see the lopsided perceptual emphases of government leaders on those issues that are near and dear to the lobbyists that finance their election campaigns and allow other things, concerns of the citizens, to be put on the back burner. We see all these problems, yet until now, we did not understand the underlying cause of all these effects. They are all caused as the result of our default decision to make our own substitute world to live in rather than to accept the problem-free world God created for us to love and enjoy. Yet because God's creation is eternally unalterable, something that is impossible for us to lose, it is available to us to return to at any time we choose. What about you? Are you ready to return to a world where only love, joy, peace, and freedom reign? That world can not only be yours, it already is yours. You cannot lose it. But up until now, we must understand that we have neglected and refused it and have clung to a far inferior substitute. And with that said, we will bring this episode of Change Your Mind About You to a close. Thank you for listening today. I'm your host, Kevin Mack, reminding you that God created humanity, male and female, to be a perfect reflection of the love shared among the members of the Godhead. In God's world, the world of knowledge, husband and wife view each other as parts of the same unified whole, complete and perfect in every way. And because God created it, this existence is both eternal and unchangeable truth, filled to overflowing with love, joy, peace, and unity. Eating the forbidden fruit in the Garden of Eden symbolized the making of another world, the world of perception, our world. It is a world where formerly united souls, intimate friends, have become strangers. It is a world of rapid change and instability governed by interpretations, a temporary world of beginnings and endings. It is the world we have made for ourselves as a substitute for God's creation. And we use this substitute reality as our primary defense against truth. Yet truth is God's gift to us. We cannot lose his creation, even though up to now we have chosen not to experience it. Yet we long for lives filled with the love, peace, and joy it offers. Sadly, we have neglected his gift, set it aside, and forgotten about it. But it is still there, deep within 
each and every one of us waiting patiently for us to seek it with all our hearts, souls, minds, and strength, with all the desire of our being. It is ours, and it offers what we all want in our heart of hearts. Why not seek it now? I hope this episode has been of benefit to you. I welcome any and all questions or comments that you may have. Please direct all correspondence by email to kevinmack at changeyourmindaboutyou.com. Thank you once again for joining me today. So until next time, take good care and be well, my friends.